Hi, welcome to Igniting Ecstasy in Business. I'm your host and master coach, Alex Persclub, and I'm going to be diving into what it takes to create more success and abundance in your business while living with more joy, excitement, and passion on the journey. This is not your typical business podcast. This is a judgment-free space where we're willing to put all the growth topics on the table, and we're not afraid to address the uncomfortable or to share raw behind-the-scenes stories to support your expansion. So tune in for inspiration, strategies, reflection questions, and interviews with world-class guests to help you elevate your business, unleash the power of your full expression, and to infuse more ecstasy into your day-to-day life. Because you deserve to live a life that lights you up inside. And there's no better time to start than right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Igniting Ecstasy in Business. Today's episode, I am so excited for We are doing a deep dive into creating and deepening intimacy and connection in marriage. And I thought, who better to ask to join me for this episode than my husband and my best friend, Adam. So Adam, welcome to the episode. I am so thrilled you're here. If you have been following me for any length of time, you know that I like to share about Adam and my relationship and the transformations that we have had over the last few years. I share a lot about how I've made a significant quantum leap in my life and business since 2020. And one of the most significant quantum leaps that I have made is really in transforming the intimacy and connection in our marriage. And I often have people asking me about it, curious about it. So I just knew that we had to get you on the podcast here, Adam, so that we could have a conversation about this topic. And really, I'm excited to hear, and I know that my community is excited to hear from you and get your perspective on what it really took and what it looked like for us to really deepen our marriage. So welcome, honey. I am so glad to have you here. Before we get into the topic, perfect. I'm very glad that you are glad to be here and that you're not just doing this because I asked you. I know you're excited to be here too. So before we get into that topic, why don't you go ahead and share with my listeners who don't know you just a little bit about who you are. Yeah, well, I'm Adam. I'm Alex's husband. Um, I'm a husband, a father, a son, a brother, a veteran, uh, sometimes drone pilot, and other times entheo guide. All the things. Um, I've really found um, Alex's work to be incredibly impactful in my life. And also, um, it's kind of changed the way that our relationship um is and how I experience my life and so I'm really excited to be here to to talk to your community about this I'm so glad you're here too yeah this is going to be really fun today and if you don't mind can I add a really important thing that you do that I think that you actually missed in your intro sure can you guess what it is oh I also do jujitsu I do a significant amount of jujitsu and feeling a little sore from that today but other than that I'm doing all right Yep. Yep. So I may have gotten Adam into the personal growth world, but he introduced me to jujitsu. You're now a purple belt. So proud of you uh, for getting your belt. When was that? Last year? year? December. December. Okay. End of last year. Uh, Got your purple belt. And again, if if you know us at all, you know that we love to train jujitsu together. Adam got me into the sport. I am currently a blue belt and I've been training on and off for the last five years, because I had a daughter in the middle of that. Um, but it's just something we love to do together. And we could probably go on and on about jujitsu, but we'll save that. That's that's not for this episode today. Adam and I will definitely be having multiple conversations. As long as you're still open to it, honey, I'll be having you back over and over again. Um, the topic today- is jujitsu as a vehicle for self-development. Oh, oh, I like that. Yeah. 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 We'll definitely have to do that. Maybe we'll have Jake on too, our instructor. Uh, who loves to to chat about that. He's inspired us in multiple ways there. Um, so yeah, that'll be a juicy conversation for another time. But for today, I'd really love for us to get into our overarching journey of how we have really experienced deepening intimacy and connection in our marriage, and also looking at the challenges that have come you know, on that journey. And I'd really love to support the listeners in exploring you know, what fears can come up when you're on the growth path, when you're growing a business and how that impacts your marriage and your family and all of the things. So let me start here, Adam. Uh, For the listeners who don't know this yet, back in 2020, I made a significant decision to 
go all in for my business, to let go of an event planning company I had and, and go full in for my coaching. I made a very significant investment in working with a business and lifestyle coach at the time. And that really, I would say, was the time that this whole quantum leap and transformational journey deepened and accelerated. So I would love to hear, Adam, and I know our listeners would like to hear, what was that actually like for you when I came home and told you I wanted to make these big decisions and take these huge risks and and start this different path? What was that like for you? I'd be lying if I didn't say it was scary. Um, That was, I think, the most apparent um, feeling for me initially was the fear, the fear that came up around it and the fear of the investment and the fear of like, well, what if this doesn't work out? And then we're kind of stuck in between. And you're telling me that you're going to give up this significant portion of your business to do something that you really wanted to do, but hadn't produced the same results that you had with your your event business. So fear was the first, um, the first emotion that came up. And then um, I think after that, it was kind of a feeling of, okay, well, let's, let's see, let's see what this looks like. Let's see how this, um, let's see how this plays out. And then getting to talk with that coach, your wonderful cousin Sloan and her talking me through a little bit about of the, the process and what it's going to look like and where the growth will be and how she's going to benefit you and help you was incredibly impactful in me kind of being at ease with it. And then it became just a feeling of trust of like, this is one of those things where I'm just going to have to trust my wife. I'm going to have to trust in her brilliance, trust in her greatness, trust in her ability to overcome obstacles that are put in her way and go just going to trust. We're going to feel all right with whatever the results are, whatever the outcomes are. I have to tell you, Adam, I don't think I'll ever forget that moment where we were on the call with Sloan. And up until that point, you had been a little distant. You'd been, it'd been a little tense because you were nervous and you weren't sure how you felt about it. And so I, of course, was having my reactions to that and doing my best to let you have your fear and let you feel your feelings and, and wanting to honor how you felt about it while also letting you know this was something that I was going to do and that I would figure out and I would take responsibility for. And I remember the moment we were on the call with her and you just turned and you said, you know what, I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to trust my wife. And in that moment, it was like everything shifted. And from there on out, you said, I'm going to choose to trust my wife. And that to me was the greatest gift. I mean, you gave me such a great gift when you said, I'm going to choose to trust you it really made me feel so supported, so loved, so supported. And it it was this deepening of, okay, I can do this. I can do this because because Adam's got my back and, and he's trusting in me and, and I'm responsible for it, but he's got my back. And I think that in and of itself was a deepening of connection for me to feel that trust from you. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. And it, um, I think one of the things that came up for me in that moment was, you know, with our wedding vows and, you know, we, we agreed for sick in sickness and in health and for richer or for poorer. And so like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, we go bankrupt. So what, so what, you know, like there's a lot of people that have gone bankrupt. There's a lot of people that have gone bankrupt and have happy lives. So, so what? And so what businesses. Exactly. So what? Does that mean that I'm going to lose my wife? Does that mean I'm going to, no, it's just, that's just the way it is. And that's just what happens. And so, okay. It could also turn out to be the inverse of bankruptcy. It could turn out to be incredible abundance. And on the other side of that, it could be a deepening of intimacy in our marriage and a deepening of relationship and a deepening of our, um, our love for each other. And I think we'll get into some of that more as we talk, but, um, but yeah, just the trust factor of going up. I trust my wife more than anything in the world, more than anyone in the world. So why not trust her with this, trust her with this idea that she has, that she believes is going to help take her business to the next level. 
I knew that trust panned out in the just the way I thought it was, you know. But you I know think being okay with either or, being okay with one side or the other is it's really important. Right, right. That's what I was just going to point out. What's really interesting about what you're saying is you chose to trust, but there was also with that a detaching from the outcomes and saying, okay, like I'm going to ride this wave, however it unfolds, because there wasn't this pressure that you put on me of, well, you have to make this amount by this date to pay this back. And, you know, you didn't, you didn't micromanage that way or let, let your fear come in and kind of try to take control and, and dictate all the outcomes. And I think that is important whenever couples are talking about their goals and their their plans and taking risks is getting really aligned on what are our values and what's a priority to us. Like, what do we really want for our life? Because I just heard you say, you know, okay, if, what's the worst that could happen? Bankruptcy? All right, then we'll figure it out. We'll start over and and we'll keep going. And that's something you and I have gotten aligned on is valuing, pursuing our dreams, our desires, making an impact, living an unconventional life over prioritizing the need for safety, security, or, you know, um, making sure that everything is set exactly how we think it should be, you know, financially or, or whatever else. So yeah. we've also really gotten aligned in our values. And I think that is a really important part of the conversation. Yeah. And I think that part of that is, um, repicturing maybe redefining what safety is people i think they don't choose to go after dreams and that's something that i'm incredibly lucky in the fact that you know one of the first legible cartoon drawings that my mom has from me is me saying i wanted to be an army paratrooper you know i wanted to be an army infantryman and i got to do that and then I got to go forward and got to lead men in combat. And so I got to do the thing that I always wanted to do. And I got to do it in my 20s. You know, I got to do the thing that I had always wanted to be, the thing that I'd always wanted to do. And then I got out of the army and I had to figure out what it, the rest of my life looked like. And it looked like pursuing happiness. I didn't want to go work in an office. I wanted to pursue something exciting. I wanted to pursue happiness. And so that for me, like pursuing happiness became a greater value than safety and security. Mm -hmm. I think that um, there's a great line in the show Generation Kill about this Marine reconnaissance unit in Iraq where the guy, they're, they're in a bit of an ambush and this Rolling Stone reporter asks one of the sergeants, like, am I safe? And the guy says, like, safety's relative. You know, safety's relative, like where you're at right now next to a tire in an ambush, you're safer than standing out there in the middle of that field, but you're not as safe as you would be back in the United States. Like safety is just relative and it's relative to what your situation is and what are you willing to accept? And I wasn't willing to accept not going after and not chasing after happiness. And so for me, bankruptcy was a safer alternative than finding myself at 45 miserable and stuck in a job that I didn't want or not following after my dreams or not having my wife follow after her dreams. And so it's just redefining safety and security, you know? And I think that some of my experiences overseas and in combat, like you get a real sense of the, the reality of safety and the reality of security that like, you know, this whole thing is fleeting and this whole thing is, it's it goes by so quickly. You mean life? Is that what you life mean? Life taken from you yeah. so quick, and that the opportunity to like to live in the here and the now and to be happy in the here and the now is far more important than some idea of safety and security based on well, I have this job and I work at this place and I have these benefits. But if you're miserable, you're wasting your life. You're choosing to you're choosing your to prioritize that safety and security over your own happiness. And it's just, what are you choosing as your priorities? And we decide to prioritize happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that comes down to what are you, what do you really value? And I don't begrudge anyone, whatever their priorities and what they value are, but it's mm -hmm. being really clear. What do you really value? What's important to you, you know, for you. And I know for me too, it's, it's been really important to look at our happiness and our dreams and, and how we really want to live our lives. 
And with that, I can say that our lives have changed greatly in the last three years and some things that are still the same that, that we love and are uh, continuing to do like jujitsu. But with those changes that we've made, what would you say has been kind of the greatest contributing factors to us having this, this not only deepening of intimacy, but then us also going on this growth path and, you know, pursuing this life of, of more happiness. Cause we've, we have had a lot of happiness and joy and we've had a lot of downs and struggles and things we've had to overcome the last three years. Yeah. And we can get into that in a moment, but for now, what do you think is the, the greatest contributors to how our marriage has, has changed? I think acceptance, acceptance of the other in your union. And I think that, um, you know, talking about it as a union, a marriage as a union, I think is, is something that we, um, we don't think about a lot in our society and that the concept of a union is like these two parts, these multiple parts combined to create a stronger union. And we can think about that kind of in the way of our country, you know, like we have to accept our country for what it is. We have to accept California for what California is, Texas for what Texas is, Florida for what Florida is, Pennsylvania for what Pennsylvania is. We have to accept all parts of that union because it makes us all stronger together. And accepting my wife for who she was growing and becoming. And in the same way, my wife accepting me for who I was growing and becoming. And not placing that judgment on me about, well, you're, you're doing this, you want to do that. And me doing the same thing. And where she wanted to grow up, not placing judgment on her. Like, well, you want to make this big investment. Like, why can't you make smaller investments? Why does it have to be this thing? And instead just accepting that like, well, this is where she wants to go and this is what she wants to do. And so our union is more important than some idea of financial stability. So I'm going to trust and I'm going to trust in our union and I'm going to trust in my wife that she can accomplish these goals that she set out for herself. And so I think that the the biggest thing is that acceptance, that acceptance of my wife for this is who she is and this is who she's going to grow into and growing to be. And in the same way is the acceptance of me of this is who I'm going to be and this is who I'm going to grow into. Let me hop in here, Adam, because because what you're saying is really relevant to something that I hear a lot of women actually share with me, um, married women entrepreneurs or women in relationships. And when they're on this growth path and they're evolving and they're transforming who they're becoming from the inside out there can often be this fear if your husband or your partner isn't on the same speed as you in your growth there can We've be this there. Fear that comes up yeah oh yeah you and I've definitely grown at different speeds throughout the years but I'll get to that in a moment but this fear can come up around what if I grow so fast and change so much that my husband doesn't love me anymore because I'm a different person than who I was before? Or what if I outgrow my husband or my partner so quickly that maybe I feel differently myself about the relationship? What if I don't love them anymore? And so that fear of outgrowing your partner when you're on a growth path, I, I hear that come up a lot with women I talk about. And I can also, and you know this, admit that, that I had that fear too. I had the exact same fear of well, what if I'm doing all this growth work and I'm letting go of fear and people pleasing and uh, criticism, and then Adam's not on board with that. Maybe Adam doesn't like me not being a people pleaser, or maybe I am removing you know, criticism on my end. And what if Adam doesn't want to grow at all? What if he doesn't want to shift things in our marriage? So that was a legitimate fear that came up. So what you're talking about with, with knowing that you married me and that I was going to grow, I'm curious for your perspective on, on that fear and, and what you think is important for um, being able to, to grow with your partner, even if you're growing at different speeds. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing um in that fear is what do you choose to do with it? You know, you can choose to believe that like, well, my wife should just be the person that I married, you know, and that's the fear of change. Change is a constant change is always, always going to be happening. And I think that 
the more important thing to do with that fear is to look at the other side of it is to look at the the side of trust in that this growth is moving in a positive direction and that my wife becoming more of her true self and no longer people pleasing and no longer doing the things that she doesn't want to be doing and instead choosing to do the things that she really does want to do like if that brings my wife happiness and that brings my wife joy well then i'm on board for it you know and i think that that idea of like what if i outgrow you well maybe that can be a catalyst for me to grow in my own ways and that's been something that that i've seen is that like in alex's growth and in her growth journey seeing the way that she was now interacting with the world and seeing the way that she was interacting with me made me want to go like hey what is that all about you know what is some of this stuff that she's talking about what is it how is that affecting her experience of everyday life maybe it'll affect me and affect my experience of everyday life and so i think that that fear it comes from like a denial of change it comes from like a denial that people are going to change and wanting you know wanting your partner your spouse to be exactly the person you you married on that day is like that's not fair it's not fair to your partner it's not fair to yourself because you're denying reality we're back to the acceptance piece mm-hmm. of rather than trying to make my partner who I think they should be when you can embrace that acceptance is when your partner can grow at a different speed or they can evolve however they're evolving and allowing it to be okay unless how they're evolving reaches a point where it's like you know what this is just completely out of alignment for me and out of alignment for us and that can occur whether you're on a growth path or not right at at any time you know, someone can wake up and say, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. But, but when you're um, living in that acceptance, it makes space for me to grow how I'm growing and you to grow how you're growing. And I want to say this, because I want to pull back the curtain and sort of debunk the myth that some of my clients have actually shared with me of thinking that, oh, it's like you and Adam have a perfect relationship. And that makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, nope, (laughs) we definitely don't. We have our struggles. We have our fights. We have our tension. And I, so I do think it's important to, to call back to a year or so ago when I was growing and evolving and there were certain things I was doing, um, to remove people pleasing where I was also working on setting boundaries and being clear about what I was and wasn't available for. And there were certainly times when I would set a boundary and, and maybe the way I communicated it, you know, you, if it wasn't you know, you weren't in a great space or you were stressed and you'd turn and be like, oh, stop coaching me. Like, don't use your coach speak on me. And, and, and that would happen. It wasn't like just you snapped your fingers and suddenly you just completely accepted every single thing and change about me. It was a process, Mm -hmm. right? It, It was a journey. And, and so in those moments, I also had to stop and accept where you were and saying like, okay, I've grown in this space and setting boundaries and how I communicate that. And I need to honor where Adam is as well. And that doesn't mean I have to renounce who I'm being now, but it's okay to, to honor his capacity and what he's available for and, and vice versa with my habits or your habits. Yeah. And I think what came up for me there was kind of the concept of, do you love your partner for what they do? Or do you love your partner for who they are? You know, loving somebody, loving somebody for like what they do, you know, that's, that's kind of surface level that surface level of like, well, I love my wife because she gives into all of my requests. She watches whatever I want, you know, where do you love your partner for who they are and who they truly are, especially in a growth journey is going to become more and more apparent of who they truly are. And I think that that's a beautiful thing of like getting to know that, like, I love my wife for who she is, not for what she does. And that if Alex tomorrow, you know, said, honey, I'm done with coaching. I want to be a mushroom farmer. I'd go like, well, you're going to deal with a lot of shit, but I'm on board, you know, because I love my wife for who she is, not what she does. And I think that that idea of loving my wife for who she is and her removing more of those masks and her becoming her true self and like expressing herself in the way that she wants to. And as she continues to grow and goes through this growth journey is like, 
it makes me love her even more because I find more things that I'm intrigued about, more things that I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And that's really beautiful. It's a really cool thing about my wife that I, that I got to know. And I think that, you know, we have our struggles just like every couple. And it's just how do you communicate in between those struggles? How do you, you know, Alex knows me really well that she knows that there's times when like, I've been on the road all day. I've been driving. I've been at work. Like maybe now is not the best time to have a deep conversation. And there's times when I know that Alex has been working or Stella has been, you know, in a mood. And I'm like, well, now's not the time to bring that up. Maybe we'll wait for another day. And so I think that that idea of getting to see who your, your spouse truly is and loving them for that and loving them for that growth is a really important part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're describing what intimacy is. Intimacy, I heard this once, it means into me, see, you are seeing more of your partner for who they really are and accepting them. That's what creates intimacy. It's not about you having to be exactly who you think I, or who I think you should be. It's about me getting to see more of the beauty of who you really are. And so I want to talk a little bit more about this, about how we actually did that, because that's sometimes easier said than done of, oh, yeah, I'm just going to see my partner for who they are. What what do you see as what was most important for us to actually be able to start seeing more of the truth of each other? I think the acknowledgement that I saw of accepting me, accepting me for my flaws, accepting me for my faults, accepting me for how I learn and how I see things. And in the same way that the more that you feel accepted and the more that you feel loved. And that was something that I said to Alex, like pretty shortly after she started working with Sloan was like, I've never felt more loved because I just felt accepted. I felt like I didn't have to, I didn't have to prove my point. I didn't have to try to explain why I feel this way. It was just, Alex was just accepting me for who I was and accepting me. Give us a couple specific examples there, honey, because I think we've shared the example of me making this big investment and how you accepted that. And that that's a pretty big, you know, scenario there. Let's give some more tangible, specific examples. Like what kinds of things did you feel like I stopped criticizing about or or judging or you know where I kind of pulled back and stepped into acceptance what what kinds of things I think the acceptance of like for me when I'm stressed out I need to do jujitsu I need to get that physical movement in I have to go get that energy out and I think it became very quickly apparent to me that like where normally Alex you know prior to this would Cause like, Oh, do you have to go tonight? Like, haven't you gone to jujitsu three times this week? And instead of having to be like, yeah, but you don't get it. You're not seeing the tension and the anxiety level. I'm feeling it. Instead of having to explain it away and then try to feel like, Oh, well now I'm making, I'm being forced into making a choice between like letting my wife down or making myself feel better in a way that I know makes me feel better. I just got the acceptance of like, oh, okay, Adam needs to go do jujitsu. And when he comes home, then we can hang out and then we can watch TV together. Then we can relax. That was a big part of it for me was like no longer having to like explain myself of why I'm doing something or why I'm doing something some way. Like, why are you doing it that way? And instead of it being in a like, hey, why, why are you doing it that way? It was more of a inquisitive. And less of the judgment of the why. It was more of like, hey, why are you doing it that way? Is mm-hmm. there like, explain it to me in, a, in in like, not because I'm looking to find fault or to pick a fault out of it. Instead, I'm looking at it through a lens of like inquisitive exploration. of like, why are you doing it that way? And why is that so important to you? And then it no longer became about like proving my rightness. It no longer became about like, well, I'm going to go to jujitsu even though I don't need to i'm going to go just because you tried to ask me not to and instead it became like oh well she's asking this for a reason she wants more time with me it's not an against me Mm -hmm. and i think that just some of the um 
the ways that we were able to communicate with each other really, really changed in that manner of like, it was no longer this adversarial. Or passive aggressive. Yeah. And it became much more of like, Hey, do you, do you need to go tonight? Or like, could you go tomorrow? And that became so much easier for me to go like, no, I think I'll stay. I'm good. I'll stay home tonight. You know? And it became much more accepting of the times. And I was like, I got to go. I got to go tonight. Right. Right. And I think what's important too, for, for our listeners is knowing that within me, that was about removing my judgment. So I think removing judgment and taking things personally was so huge. And that continues to be huge for us of recognizing, you know, you're going to jujitsu, not because you don't want to spend time with me, but because, you know, you needed to to get out some stress. That's your stress relief. And, and back then too, you still had a lot of unexpressed and stifled anger from certain experiences overseas. And, and so all of that, right, was going on for you. It wasn't about me. And so being able to stop taking things personally, even when they felt personal and recognizing, oh, okay, when Adam's um, activated or or being feisty, he's got his fear, his own stuff going on. So when I could remove taking it personally and remove the judgment, it allowed me to make so much space for what you also wanted and being able to see why you wanted to go to jujitsu or why you want to do these things and getting to just see and, and honor more the truth of who you are. And on the opposite side too, I also at the same time was learning how to communicate more about what I wanted and not to be passive aggressive and not to just assume that you should know, go Adam should just know that I want to go to dinner tonight because it's been a crazy week and he's been to jujitsu four times. He should just know and get it. It became much more direct in making space for what you wanted and, and getting to know what's the actual truth. What do you actually want while also communicating what I want? So I memorized this sort of um, statement, if you will, a plug and play statement of, hey, this is my preference. My preference is going to dinner tonight because I haven't seen you all week and I've had kind of a tough week. So my preference is to go to dinner and I have space for whatever you actually want to. So I have space for you if you want to go to jujitsu. And that statement, that that idea of sharing my preference, my desire, and having space for what you really wanted without judgment, I think was game changing in our communication. A hundred percent. And I think that it's the, the words there are really important. Mm-hmm. The words of like, my preference would be that we go out to dinner tonight and we get to talk because I've had a, lo- a rough week mm-hmm. is way more way more it comes across so much better than like why are you doing that because that right why- well i thought we'd go to dinner so do you really have to go to jujitsu tonight it communicates a very That's, different it's judgment it's, it it's it may not feel like it in what you're saying but it is it's a judgment of my choice in that moment mm-hmm. and that's the biggest thing is when you're when you're expecting something different from someone you can easily lay judgment on there and judgment immediately. Some people are able to deal with judgment in better ways. I put up a defensive wall and I, you know, and I'm much better about this now after a lot of this growth and healing work, but you know, back then, like my kind of defensive wall would be like, I'm going to put up a defensive wall and then I'm going to go on the counter attack because I'm feeling ambushed. And so I'm going to start, you know, One of the first lessons you learn in the infantry is like, if you're in an ambush, the only thing you can do is you need to counterattack. And so that became not only like how I dealt with ambushes overseas, but how I dealt with emotional ambushes. Counterattack. And I'd go, well, X and Y and Z and one, two, three. And that to me became like, after it, I never felt good about it. I never felt like I got a beneficial resolution you know? Right. But in the sharing of the preference of like, Hey, I would prefer it takes away that judgment and it takes away that feeling of being ambushed. And it's like, Oh, Hey, this is something that I thought we could do. Are you open for that? And if you're not, okay, totally get it. Accept you for who you are in this moment, accept you for how you're feeling. If you're open to this, then I'd rather do that. And that became so much easier to go like, Oh, I'm not being judged here. I'm right. not being judged for wanting to go to jujitsu i'm being 
asked to make a different choice. And that's something that is like, you can try to drag somebody along or you can ask them if they want to walk with you. You know, like you'll find it's a whole lot easier to ask somebody to join you than to try to drag somebody along. Because even if they end up wanting to go where you're going, you know, it's going to be a whole lot tougher getting them there than just saying, like, hey, are you interested in this? And I think that that's a lesson for life too and a lesson for marriages of like saying like, hey, this is where I'm going in my life. This journey towards self-acceptance, this journey towards happiness and enjoyment and following passions and following joys. You know, I'm not, I don't want to drag you along because I, you're going to dig your heels in, even if the place that we're going is going to be 10 times better than where we're at, right? You can, you're going to dig your heels in and you're going to fight against that in all ways, shapes and forms. You're going to grab onto anything you can. And instead saying like, hey, this is where I'm going. Would you like to join me? Would you like to join me in this journey? Is going to be so much easier. Because eventually they're going to go, yeah, actually, I, I think I do want to join. Right. Or saying I have space for you to not be open to the journey right now. Yeah. And I'm going to go on the journey and I respect where you are and what you want. And we'll just keep looking at it. Right. We'll keep revisiting it depending what the journey is and how much it impacts, you know, both of us and our family, our union. And it's really that acceptance piece of meeting your partner where they are while also not hiding who you are because of a fear of how they might react to you. And I think that's one of the biggest shifts that I've been able to make is really letting you see the parts of me where I was so tempted and not just tempted where I did wear a mask and where I'm still tempted sometimes to wear a mask and letting you see those places because it's so hard to feel really close and connected when you don't feel seen. Yeah. Or when you're fearing how your partner might react and making your partner's reaction a verdict of your worthiness, your lovability, or the successfulness of your marriage or, you know, whatever it might be. It's, it's really about finding that self-acceptance piece. And then when you have that, you can make space for seeing your partner and where they are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that especially allowing your partner to see like all of you and see the truth of you, like that's been so incredibly important in our relationship because me opening up to Alex specifically about things that I witnessed overseas, things that I saw, just the way that I saw the societies in which I had gone and seen opening up to Alex about that made her so much more aware of why did certain things bother me? Why did things hit some trigger that like made me go like, absolutely not. And I think that opening up about that and showing my wife that side of me that, that I know that a lot of veterans struggle with of like, well, I don't want my wife to see this part of me because maybe she wouldn't like me. Maybe she wouldn't love me is I think something that for me, I had those same doubts and those same fears and that same desire of like, well, if she knew that about me, would she still love me? Mm-hmm. And instead of it being like, well, she loves me in spite of it. Alex loves me for that. You know, and I think being able to explain to my wife of like, Hey, overseas, I was forced to tap into rage and fury and anger. And so that's a, a key that when you unlock that box, you know that it's there. And in arguments, getting like tapping into that anger of being like, I want you to know why I feel that way sometimes and why things set me off made it so much easier for me to go like, oh, that's right. She sees me and she still loves me in because I told her this, because she sees all of me and she knows all of me and knows these things about me that, you know, you're, you're trying to hide some part of yourself and it's, it's going to show up. And instead of pretending like it's not there and like, no, that, that portion and that part of me, like we'll shove that deep down, like acknowledge that it's there, acknowledge that that's a part of you and say like, this is me. And this is why makes it much easier to go. Like now, you know, now you understand. 
Absolutely. I have one more follow-up question and then we're going to wrap up here in a moment. Sure. I'm circling back a little bit to what I'd shared before about how sometimes it was messy and, and it's still messy sometimes. And there were times where, you know, you'd get angry and say, you know, stop coaching me right now. And that actually made me laugh when I shared that memory. It's been a while since I've thought of that, but it, it made me laugh inside because I thought about how just the other day you shared with me, you know, I am, I am, we were talking about something. I don't remember what, but you said to me, I am not available for this. Like I, I'm open to this and I'm not available for this. And that's a phrase I learned from mentors and that, you know, I've kind of integrated into our relationship and something I, I will say a lot when I'm communicating boundaries or communicating what I really desire or or what I'm not open to. And I'll say, I'm not available for this. And I realized that the language that a year or two ago, you would tell me, you know, stop coaching me is now something you've adopted and something you communicate. And so I'm curious to hear your perspective on what made that shift for you? Like, what was it that that made you let go of that defensiveness sometimes or the like feeling like maybe I was using language you didn't understand or was maybe, you know, putting myself on a pedestal or whatever the reaction was? What made you shift into adopting more of that communication? Seeing the effectiveness of it, you know? When you see a tool work really well, you go like, hey, I want that tool. I want to use that tool. You know, if I was trying to turn screws in with my fingers and then you pulled out a screwdriver, I'd be like, hey, I'd really like a screwdriver too. And when I saw how effective, like saying, hey, I'm not available for that was when you start to process that of like, I'm not available for that. I'm open to this, but I'm not available for that. Like seeing how effective that was at disarming kind of, conflicts was like oh all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna use that tool as well and not in a, like i'm gonna use it against you it's like i'm gonna use that tool because there's things where i'm like i'm not available for that i don't have the space and i don't have the capacity to talk about that right now we can talk about it tomorrow we can talk about it in a week like let's set a date on the calendar let's talk about that we'll talk about it for 30 minutes but I'm not available for that right now. I don't have the space. I don't have the bandwidth, you know, like right now I want to, I want to be sitting here watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, <laughs> that's what I want to be doing. You know, I'm not available for that right now. Yeah. Instead, it made it so much easier to go like, oh, she, she gets it and not in the way of like, I'm using your words against you. It's like, no, no, no. If we're going to hold each other to standards, when you say you're not available for that, I'll accept it. I'll say, okay. When I use the same language, when I express the same desires, I expect to be held to the same standard, you know? I'm really glad I asked you that. I've never asked you that question before. And it just came up for me as we're talking. <laughs> and I was really curious about it. And as you said it, you know, it just clicked with me. Is that I think when when you are on a growth path and when you are evolving and and experiencing personal transformation or healing, accelerating in who you're being as a business owner, all of the things, when you're on that path, if you feel like your, your partner or your loved one isn't growing as fast as you, or maybe there's certain things they don't understand or don't get, I think what's really important is you continuing to honor your path and continuing to give what you can to be supportive to the relationship, to remove the judgment, to remove taking things personally. And it is in service to communicate what you really want, to ask for what you want, to communicate your boundaries, to let someone know how something made you feel while also not going into counter blame or holding that person responsible. And I, I share this because I think the more that, that you can continue to integrate what you're learning on your growth path into the relationship, no matter what, it serves the relationship. And even if there are times where your spouse or partner doesn't get it, it's okay. And, and it's okay to honor your partner where they are. I think back to the early days in 2020, when I started on this path, I didn't come home from, you know, my retreats or my conferences and say to you, okay, Adam, so, you know, I'm going to remove people pleasing from our relationship and I'm going to remove being critical and judgmental of you. And here's how I'm going to do it. And I just started doing it. 
I just started shifting and, and removing as much judgment as I could. My, my critical tendencies, because I definitely had those tendencies of thinking you should do things the way I do them. That was very prevalent in my thinking. And so I started removing that and shifting that. And I wasn't asking for the same from you right off the bat or saying, hey, I've learned this thing and you need to adopt it or you need to accept me for what I'm doing now. I just started being the change instead of explaining say. the change. I was yeah. just going to say that, that that's what was coming up for me is like a, a good friend and mentor in the plant medicine space says that to us a lot about don't talk about the change. Be the change. Yeah. yeah. Be the change because that's what people are going to see. That's what's going to resonate. And especially in a relationship. When Alex, it, it wasn't that she came home and would say to me like, well, these are all the things that I'm going to be doing. Because then you start to lay that expectation upon your spouse like well she said she was going to stop doing that and then but she's still doing it like why is she still doing it she said she was going to change like you're you're like it it lays that expectation and instead of just doing it doing the things that you say like i'm not even going to say that i'm going to do it i'm just going to start doing them i'm going to be the change you know and it's something that i've i've heard and like pardon my french but like you can't tell people shit you can't tell people what's good for them you can't tell them that like this thing is going to be good for them. You just have to, to do it, to be the change. So yes to all of that. And one thing I do just want to note and repeat for my listeners, because I do have a lot of high achieving women that sometimes have people pleasing tendencies and recovering people pleaser here myself. So I, I relate to all of that. And yes to everything you said about the acceptance and just being the change and and showing them and not getting frustrated with your partner for, you know, where they are in their journey. And one of the things that really helps to support that too, is you standing firm and owning what you want. So it's not about, oh, well, my partner doesn't get it. So I just won't ask for what I want, or I just won't honor what I want because they're not, maybe they don't get it or they don't understand it. And I have to wait for them to get it. And, you know, honey, that's something I remember from our relationship where I was at one point really working on removing blame or criticisms. And even when, you know, I remember the day where you uh, closed the garage door on the back of the car and it like broke the garage door and scraped the car and you came in immediately like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And the first thing I said to you was, we don't blame in this house. We don't blame. There's no need for blame. And at, and at that time, I was really focusing on removing blame. And then I remember a few days later, there was something that happened Oh gosh, I, I wish I could remember the exact circumstance. Maybe it was the dishwasher, or like the dishes that I let the dishes pile up in the sink and I cooked and the pots were spilling over, something like that. And you made a, a critique to me and kind of, um, it, it, I think you were stressed. You'd come home from a long day that your drone had crashed and, and you were having a bad day. And you said something to me, a little snarky about the dishes. And in that moment, I could have looked and said, oh, well, okay. Adam's, you know, not where I am right now in the removing blame journey. He's not as focused on that as I am. He doesn't get it. I'll just apologize or I I won't get frustrated at all that he's blaming me. It was instead honoring, oh yeah, Adam's not as focused on this. This isn't a something he's working on right now. I might be a little further along in removing blame. And I'm not available to be scolded right now. So I honor your frustration about the dishes and I'm not open to being scolded about it. I don't need a, I don't need a slap on the wrist from you. You're my husband. And I don't know if you remember that conversation, but I want to share that because I think it's important in terms of that, that making the journey easier when you're growing at different speeds. What makes the journey easier is honoring who you really are and what you want and, and being clear about it while removing the judgment, while honoring it's okay for your partner to grow at their own pace. I think it's all about, it's all about owning your truth and standing in that truth. And like, like you said, of standing for what you believe in and standing for like, Hey, I'm not available for this. This is, these are things that I'm not going to do. These are the things that I am going to do. This is what I'm available for. I think that that's the most important thing because the more that you start to do that and that truth becomes kind of your embodied way of living it's it's the true you you know and that's where you're going to find the most power and that's where you're going to find the most self-acceptance is like this is who i really am this is who is 
the me behind this mask that I'm I'm done with, I'm taking off. Absolutely. Well, Adam, I'm so glad that you joined me today Thank and that we were able to kind of pull back the curtain and look behind the scenes at, at our marriage and at personal growth and relationships and intimacy and all those good things. So thank you so much, honey, for joining me again. Thanks for for anyone that does want to, to connect with you and learn more about your work in the world, which we didn't even get into, and I'm 100% going to have you back as long as you're still willing to keep coming back. We'll be talking about multiple different things. Yeah. Why don't you just share where people can connect with you online and learn more about your, your Entheo guide work and work with veterans? Um, You can read some of my writings at reengagepgh.com slash blog. I have a couple of blogs up there talking a little bit about the the plant medicine space and the healing journey that that I saw from the use of these um, incredibly, incredibly beneficial medicines. Um, yeah, other than that, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not really on Twitter or X or whatever it is now. And I have a LinkedIn page, but you're not going to find me there. So, and I have Instagram, but I've never made a post. So send me a message. I just use it to send memes to my friends. That's all. So. <laughs> Yep. We'll stick to Facebook and the blog. We'll drop those links in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Adam. And thank you to all of our listen listeners for spending your time with us today. And any questions, thoughts, insights, don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Igniting Ecstasy in Business. If you enjoy what you heard and you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. I love to hear your feedback, your insights, questions, or any desired topic requests. You can also reach me directly through the contact page at alexpurseglove.com. I so appreciate you spending your time here with me today. And until next time, I'm wishing you a beautiful day of focusing on what lights you up inside.